turn with me, um, just, just to hold your place in Matthew 24, and then uh, I'll put the first verse up on the screen. Past, not verse, but verses, plural. Starts in Daniel, and we've, we read this passage back in the fall, but let's look at it again in light of things that are happening. Those that are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. God wants us to shine. He wants us to shine in these times. And those who turn many to righteousness, that's what we're praying. We, Lord, use our redeemed lives to turn people to righteousness. Like the stars forever and ever, but you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Daniel's been up with the Lord for quite some time now since he was given this. But Daniel was told, many shall run to and fro, zipping all over the world, and knowledge shall increase, an exponential increase in knowledge at the end of the age. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. People that don't know the Lord, they don't understand what's happening. They don't understand what's going on in the world. doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. I remember when the Russian soldiers in World War II, when they, when they finally got into where Nazi Germany was, and they got into the houses of German people that had not been bombed, those houses were fully intact, and they smelled strudel and stuff like that, and they saw the china plates, they said, why was there even a war? Their stuff's nicer than ours. That's what the Russians sold. They couldn't understand why uh, Hitler had attacked because Satan has been stirring the nations for thousands of years. It's a battle versus good versus evil. The wise will understand. Move on. Uh, Jesus, just days before the cross, Olivet Discourse on the Mount of Olives, just... He's not that far from going to the cross. You know, this is really cool about Jesus, too. Not only at the Passover meal was he just as relaxed as could be, knowing he was hours from the cross. Not that way when he got into the garden, I understand. But there he was just letting John lean on him and enjoying the meal with them. And here he is talking with them, but he's days before the cross. And it's it's a model for us that days before whatever is happening, we can be at rest. But he's telling them about what they ask and what's going to happen at the end of the age. And he says, and he's speaking of the lead up to the tribulation period. Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no one deceives you. There's a lot of deception in this world. For many will come in my name. Even churches will have the name of Jesus and saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Jesus, you just told us all that and you don't want us to be troubled? Exactly. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, or ethnicity against ethnicity, region against region. Sound familiar? The geopolitical landscape right now. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences, which means diseases, think COVID, and earthquakes in various places, all over places. Not just the place that traditionally get earthquakes, but other places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. And some of your Bibles may say birth pains or birth pangs. That's because that word sorrows in the Hebrew, odin, it means the pain of childbirth or travail pain, birth pangs. I say pain because pangs is an old English word that we don't use that much anymore. But it means the same thing. Paul uses the same language over here in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.3 for when they say peace and safety which many of our politicians like to say, and even some uh, false prophets and think, everything's fine, nothing can ever happen, you're going to live forever, all this stuff, you don't have to worry, God's not going to judge anything. No, no, that's not true. When destruction comes as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they shall not escape. We can ignore what God has said, but at our own apparel. And then this last passage from Peter, who was there with Jesus, on the Mount of Olives, when he gave the Olive Discourse. And Peter said, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, the world system, all the pride and lust of this world, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. In other words, drawing near to Jesus and being a light and shining as Daniel had uh, 
pointed us to in the 12th chapter of Daniel, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. Peter's saying, no matter what this earth has to offer, is nothing compared to what's coming. Which, which righteousness dwells. You therefore, beloved, since you know beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. Another Jesus said you could be weighed down by the cares of this world and actually fall asleep when things are actually getting closer to the end. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us to know beforehand some of these things. Only you know the details. But Lord, you've given us your word to know the seasons, the times, to understand these things, that these things must come to pass. Lord, that the wise would understand you'd cause us to shine in the midst of it all and to not be troubled. And Lord, we would share what you have given to us, the gift of salvation, to those that are not ready for your return, not ready for the judgment to come. And Lord, we ask that you would use this time this morning. I pray for your anointing, your help. I could never do it justice. But Lord, I ask for your help and you would soften every heart, open each mind to the things of the Spirit that you're speaking to the churches by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see the title this morning, Let Us Draw Near as His Return Draws Nearer. Only God really knows exactly how things are going to go. We, we, he doesn't give us all the details. It says in the book of Isaiah, I, in chapter 46, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Only God knows, are we 10 weeks from Jesus returning? Three years? Seven years? 10 years, 40 years. I'm not here to tell you. No one knows the day around. Only the Father knows. And he'll tell the Son when it's time. But we do know that things are compressing. We do know we're moving in that direction. Every moment of time, and all of time, is unique in its own way. Some are more pivotal than others. Moses going to Pharaoh, for example. David becoming king, which sets up the line of Christ. Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And the most pivotal, most essential, and greatest point in time, by far, the first coming of Jesus. We can't be saved if he didn't come that first time. The most pivotal moment in history. And all the prior Old Testament prophecies and moments were all building towards the first coming. The first coming. Everything now is building towards the second coming. Amen? Everything before was building the first, now everything's building to the second. And at no point in history have we ever been closer to the conclusion of God's divine and total plan than this very morning, right now. Never have we been closer. When this service ends, we'll be even closer. Later tonight, when you go to bed, we'll be even closer. The hourglass that I mention from time to time, remember, sand only moves in one direction. Only moves in one direction. There's less sand in it now than we did the prophecy series back in the fall. Peter said, the knowledge of this... By the way, there's less sand in your hourglass and mine too. <laughs> Just our personal hourglass has less sand than it did yesterday. But that should create, according to Peter, an urgency, a deep desire for Christ and for holiness, which isn't preached much anymore. Holiness. Uh, for, especially in a time when the world is careening towards destruction, understand that everything Jesus said would happen there in that passage we just read is in the lead-up, which we call the birth pains, to the seven-year tribulation. Those things are unfolding right now on your TV screen, on your news feeds. The acceleration that Daniel talked about, Daniel chapter 12, the acceleration of movement, of travel, the massive increase in knowledge, huge increase in knowledge and scientific understanding. Not, not, none of the stuff we've discovered is new news to God, by the way. Amen. He's just allowing us to discover some of these things. Whether it was Isaac Newton or 
Copernicus, it doesn't matter who it was. The funnel of the things compressing into a small period of time, the funnel of all of history that is compressing, we talked about this back in the fall, is much like that final week of the cross. Remember, Jesus had a 33-year lifespan on earth, stepped into time for 33 years. 30 years, we know almost nothing about except for the fact we know where he was born, went down to Egypt, his parents lost him at the temple, right? We know a few things, but most of 30 years is not, we don't know much about that. But then we have a three-year period where we have four Gospels written about the three years. Although part of the three years even points to Matthew 24 is really talking about the future, for example. Luke chapter 21, same thing. And then the last week of his life plus the 40 days till, till the uh, ascension when he went back up into heaven, that last bit, for example is one-third of the book of John and one-quarter of the book of Matthew. So more time is spent on that, you know, as far as a per capita time. And we can now see in our lifetime both the acceleration that Daniel mentioned, the speeding up, the zipping around the world of to and fro, the increase in knowledge, and the signs that Jesus and the prophets and the apostles spoke of. As I said numerous times, before, and it's unique in our lifetime, because Jesus said to look to the fig tree, which I firmly believe is Israel for, I don't have time to go into all the reasons, but Jesus said it right there in the Olivet Discourse, watch the fig tree, Israel, and if we know, that Israel became a nation in 1948. Any of you here that are here today that are 74 years age or older, particularly 74, born on or before May 14th, 1948, and some of you here fit that description, this was in your lifetime. I was born in 1969. It was not in my lifetime. But we have people sitting here today, and some watching online, I'm sure, that were born 74, uh, or at least 74 years of age by May 14th, 48. So looking at Scripture, we understand this is a very pivotal moment relating to the unfolding events of the end times. Jesus said the fig tree would have to be in place. Almost exactly a year after Israel's birth, May 1949, so go one year later, in, at Cambridge University in the United Kingdom, they executed the very first stored program, which many consider the birthplace of modern computing. One year later, modern computing was born in England. And in the post-World War II era, it ushered in a third industrial revolution it's been part of all of our lifetime that has seated here. We're, we're still part of this third, industri third industrial revolution. Uh, and it ushered in unprecedented technology acceleration and advancements around computing, communications, travel, connecting and shrinking the world. This third industrial revolution, it built on the first industrial revo revolution that was in the mid-1700s to the mid-1800s. Then you had the second industrial revolution, which was the mid-1800s to the early 1900s. That's when the uh, titans of industry were all in that time. The Rockefellers, Carnegie's, all those, um, the steel magnets, all those things. And then you had the World War I and World War II and a gap there. And then you have this third industrial revolution that started post-World War II and really has exploded in the last 20 years, which we'll look at particularly around computing, digitizing everything. Everything. This timeline illustrates the rapid rise in technology. Now, every time I show you one of these timelines, you'll notice that uh, when I used to be in business, we called this a hockey stick um, graph because you actually have it, it's flat on the bottom, and it rises really fast. That's the way people love to see sales, for example. But in the span of technology, it was basically flat for a long, you know, a little bit of improvements on the wheel, on the horse, and all of a sudden, there's this rapid, rapid change that's really been in our lifetime. Now, if you're a visual person, looking at New York might help you a little bit better to understand what's taken place. This was New York in 1850, and you see New York City today tells the story. 
You can go look at mega cities like Tokyo or Sao Paulo or Mexico City or Hong Kong, and you can go back and look at 1850, look at now, same thing. They've mushroomed in every which way because the technology's there for wiring, for steel girders, for all the kind of things that were needed to build these mega cities alongside of the technology and the industry and all the other things that were taking place, the population exploded. This was the population around the time of Christ, 170 million people. Today, it's exploded to near 7 billion people. We know some of the reasons for that. Electricity, advances in medicine, hygiene, which was already in the Bible and ignored for a lot of times, right? I'll say, hey, what if we wash our hands before we do surgery? Well, that was already in the Bible. You ignored it for thousands of years. But these are big factors. And this hockey stick mirrors the other hockey sticks of technology and growth. Same advancement curve. Now, what's all this have to do with the scriptures and the imminent return of Christ and Israel and the end times? A lot, actually, related I'll get to that. So bear with my history timeline review, okay? Just bear with it. And now fast forward, post-1948, post-World War II, post-Israel being reborn, past the technology curve of the 80s and 90s. You remember this? Eight tracks. Then came cassettes. Cable TV. The World Wide Web was 1983. That's when it was launched. Floppy disks. Everything you needed was on a floppy disk. Windows, PlayStation, that all came out. DVDs, AOL dial-up, all that stuff, right? <laughs> Seemed like ancient history. The Palm Pilot, finally a handheld device. And came the iMac. I used to be in this industry, so I know the timeline frontwards and backwards. At the same time, technology is advancing. Alliances are forming. The European Union forms in 1993. Same time, all that technology is budding. Global terrorism starts to launch. It started in the 70s. Many of you probably remember like the terrorism in the Olympics in Munich in 1972. But it started in the 70s, expands in the 80s, becomes commonplace. Iran and Hezbollah, for example, were in tandem. In 1995, a little company called Amazon launches. Little startup, Jeff Bezos, selling books. 1998, a little company called Google starts up. Larry Page, some Stanford graduates. Then in 1999, a year after Google is founded, China and Russia begin holding na joint naval exercises in 1999. But all the attention was on Y2K. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, and I had a lot of friends working on Y2K projects and COBOL conversions and all that good stuff. And it wasn't just the Weekly World News that thought everything was going to fall apart. So did Newsweek, so did Time, so did everybody. Airline CEOs were on the planes to make sure if it goes down, we're going down with it. You wonder if your car was going to not work on I-95, if the banks were going to fail. By the way, Satan wants you to think that these things will never happen, thinks they'll happen. He wants you to think they'll happen, but then they're never going to happen, so go back to sleep. But Y2K, for the most part, was a non-event, which was great. But it was the 2,000-year marker was another advance that would be a next 22-year advance in technology, which we're in right now. But more acceleration, more technology adoption, more technology, get it, adoration. People will love it. You know some of the biggest tech company CEOs don't have smartphones? <laughs> they don't let their kids have iPads, stuff like that. That's a different story. I don't have time to digress on that. But meanwhile, meanwhile, early in the new century, in July of 2001, 2001 should stick out in your head. July of 2001, Russia and China announced a landmark treaty that they agreed upon in July of 2001 for deeper support of trade, technology, military, and energy. Most Americans in the world pay little attention nor cared anything about it. July 2001. Two months later, some planes went into the Twin Towers. Two months after that treaty was signed was 9-11. For many of you here today, that was in your lifetime. I remember the day very well. I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, about to give a presentation on technology. And 
the night before I'd had dinner with an atheist colleague and a Mormon colleague, and I was talking to them about the fact, you guys know this story, but if you're here a while, but you know, the reason I was saying what I was saying is because Israel was under the second infantata of constant um, blowing up of buses and malls. This was in 98, 99, 2000, into 2001. That's when Israel built the wall between the West Bank and Jerusalem. And one of my colleagues was like, what does all that have to do with us? I'm like, well, because of our deep support of Israel, I believe we're doing a major terrorist attack in our country. Because the ship had already been attacked in Yemen. The next morning was 9-11. With all the new technology and all the rising markets, some thought peace would flourish forever. That hey, Why wouldn't anyone want peace? Netflix is here. <laughs> they came in the late 90s. Blockbuster video, which was actually fading while Netflix was rising. But on that clear, crisp September day, people realized peace was not here to stay. And our nation around the world was stunned. And it was one horrific day that has permanently, that day on 9-11 permanently has changed airport security forever. You, every time you go through security and boarding, you know you're getting a glimpse of the holdover from 9-11. It is permanently attached to airport security. Is it not? Right. Right. Remember the days like you used to ride up to the front and just hand your bag to a dude and say, I'm going to go, no, 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 none of that now. Right. Everything goes through, you go through, stand up, move around, let let things swirl around you. All that's a remnant of 9-11 that's permanently here as part of travel. Now Russia and China at the exact same time were working on strategic long-term agreements while we were picking up the pieces from 9-11. While we were rebuilding the Pentagon, uh, clearing the debris, eventually we rebuild the tower that's there now. Now, in that month after 9-11, church attendance soared for a month. People ran, like Alan Jackson sang, people dusted off that old Bible they owned. Security for the sake of all of our safety was ratcheted up. The Patriot Act was immediately signed. An internal, an internal surveillance system to prevent acts of terrorism, which now goes well beyond the original intention, was created. That same 9-11 event resulted in America entering the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, many men and women have lost limbs and lives. World War I was originally one time mentioned as the war to end all wars. Of course, that didn't happen. Hitler and Nazi Germany came not too long after that. Then after World War II, people were hopeful, well, we have the United Nations now. Maybe that'll do it. NATO. Maybe that would accomplish it. None of that did. Jesus said the wars and rumors of war would persist until he returns. There have been many wars which are birth pains, to use Jesus' words there on Mount of Olives. But there have been many wars and many birth pains, even since the end of World War II that America has been involved. America has been in 19 wars since World War II. 19. Some of you fought in Vietnam. That was one of them, but there's been numerous others. But 9-11 was instrumental. Going back to 9-11 for just a second, 9-11 was, in, was instrumental in not only escalating the war on terror, the global war on terror, which that terminology was very common coming out of those, those months there, but also in accelerating exponential investments, enhancements, advancements, and breakthroughs, and adoption of technology such as facial, re facial recognition, biometrics, complex data aggregation, artificial intelligence, global positioning, virtual technologies, and drones, just to name a few. Post 9-11, there was massive money spent in taking these technologies to a whole new level. Because unlike God, who sees everything and knows everything, we don't. So we have to create systems that see everything and know everything. But don't worry, it's for your safety. But the technology advancements, consumer and commercial both, military, commercial, lots of consumer products coming like at a feverish pace, they rolled forward. A little device, one month after 9-11, a little device called the iPod was released. 
Three years later, a little company, Harvard guy, Mark Zuckerberg, final little company called Facebook, three years after 9-11. Over the next seven years, it becomes a parade of technologies, iPhone, iPad, Instagram, cloud services, streaming music, expansion of Wi-Fi, expansion of cell phone services. Uh, when I was in the industry, I remember uh, hearing at a, at a conference in 2000, and they held up a little flip phone, cell phone, and said, one day everyone in the world will hold, hold this device, and everyone will be connected because of this device right here. That was in 2000. Aside from all the entertainment and streaming and people like now could binge, not just binge outdoor living, but binge indoor living. Things were accumulating. Data, text, voice, pictures, videos. Social media is created by the billions. This is the data chart back in the year 2004 there was a small amount of data produced per person. Now all of us create our own library of Congress, literally, I'm not kidding about this, literally nonstop. And it's all being stored. Every single phone call you have, every single text, every single email, all of it stored in massive data centers by the NSA, commercial, and major tech companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple, you name it, Amazon, all stored in massive data centers. At the end of 2004, remember Facebook launches in early 2004, at the end of 2004, this seismic, literally seismic event took place. 9.1 earthquake. The third most powerful ever recorded in history, killing 280,000 people with stunning images, almost apocalyptic but people quickly forgot, especially in America, because it was so far away and it didn't touch them, they could go right back and be fully recovered in time for the Super Bowl, which was a month later. Seven years later in 2011, another seismic event, this one off the coast of Japan. Remember Jesus said there'd be earthquakes in various places. It's also a 9.1. They're extremely rare. We only have four over 9.0 recorded. There probably were some in ancient times before we have today's seismic readings. But that one that hit off the coast of Japan was so powerful. Remember, the waves were up to 30 feet high. It was so powerful that we actually talk about 9-11 as the day that stopped the world. But 9-11 didn't actually stop the world. This did. It actually shortened Earth's day by 1.8 microseconds and shifted the Earth's axis by 1.7, or by 17 centimeters. It literally shook the world. Now, I take notice of these things. I know that the world's just kind of, eh, the same as it's always been. In some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. In March of 2012, so a year later, this was Japan, 2011, March of 2012, a man by the name of Xi Jinping becomes the president of China and the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party. Two months later, same year, 2012, Vladimir Putin is sworn in for the third time as Russia's president. He had deferred for a while to Medved, comes back. He kind of was in control the whole time, behind the scenes, but nevertheless, he aggregates the power of Russia in 2012, and Xi Jinping ascends to the top of China, both of them within two months of each other in 2012. One is 68 years of age, one is 69 years of age. In 2019, this picture in this article in Business Insider was from 2014. In 2019, Xi Jinping said, it's on public record, you can go out and research it yourself, President Xi Jinping said of his relationship with Vladimir Putin in 2019, he said, in the past six years, we, being him and Vladimir, have met 30 times in person. Russia is the country that I have visited the most. President Putin is my best friend and colleague. You don't hear that on the news that much, if at all. I don't think you've probably heard that on the news, but it's out there. As you know, since 2020, we've been in a global pandemic, as Jesus referred to it as pestilence in the Olivet Discourse. It's been deadly. It's been divisive. Its origin is still greatly in question. Could be engineered. There's a lot of debate. It's ushered in what can't be debated. It's ushered in massive government controls. It's, it's ushered in lockdowns, vaccines, digital passports, mandates, tracking, 
restrictions, protests, and global cooperation that cobbled together matter months. Fast. Moved really fast. We've seen massive changes in medical and government policies. Some of the free, some of the free world leaders, free world leaders, genuinely envy China's ability to impose total control. They really envy it. They're like, man, China can do, man, they just make people run this way, make them run that way. Why can't we do that? At virtually all levels, the Chinese government. According to Business Insider, in 2018, and this is verified, you can look up dozens of articles about this, by 2018, China had installed a surveillance system in 16 different regions of China that uses facial recognition and thousands upon thousands of cameras to, they can scan their entire population in one second. The entire population in one second. The same exact system that they've created, thinking broader than themselves, they can scan the entire world's population in two seconds. By the way, Facebook announced that they will release their supercomputer this summer. It'll be 20 times faster than their current system. 20 times faster than their current system, which is way, thousand times faster than what you could do in, say, the mid-90s. All their algorithms, all of your faces on face, every picture you've ever had, everything you've ever said, anything in that, they can aggregate it. Trillions, in fact, it's uh, quintillions of operations per second, which is trillions upon trillions of operations per second. But this is to help user experience. Don't worry. <laughs> You're going to love it. Then exactly two years into the global pandemic, just two years into the pandemic, it's still going on right now. There's been re-spikes in some places, dying in other places. Three and a half weeks from ago from today, Russia invaded Ukraine. Three and a half weeks ago from today. It's amazing how we've gone from shocked images to it's already become normalized in most people's eyes, because they've seen it so much now, like, hey, doesn't everybody see, like, like, apartment complexes just crumbling to the ground every day? I mean, that, that was stuff you heard about in World War II. You're seeing it live time, but we're already becoming desensitized to it because you can see so many images of it, it doesn't really matter to people. But it matters if you're in Ukraine. It's heartbreaking. 2.5 million people have fled the country. It'll be over 3 million um, probably by the end of this week. Many millions more have lost their homes. They are now homeless. I think about this like last, like last week when it was like one of those cold days and I was out, you know, scraping my windshield or something like that, thinking about if I didn't have a house and I was just trying to survive... Many have lost their home. Hundreds of, hundreds of buildings have been destroyed by the Russian invasion. It's the biggest, as you know, it's the biggest European landmass assault since World War II. Many are facing food shortages. People are literally in some places digging up roots. 2,800 plus Ukrainian soldiers have already been killed. Another 7,000 Russian soldiers, many of them who were conscripted and probably don't even want to be in this war, were killed. Some do, some don't, but I'd say more don't than do. 800 Ukrainian civilians have already been killed, 800 plus. That'll be, that was a, as of a week ago. I'm sure it's over 1,000 by now. And as our own U.S. intelligence reported, and they get a few things right, they get, they, they didn't happen with all, by the way, with the millions and billions and billions we spent on the Pentagon, they had no idea China was building a hypersonic nuclear weapon. They had no, well, at least they say they had no idea until it was announced a few months ago. That's a weapon that goes up into outside of uh, Earth's atmosphere, up into orbit temporarily, and pops back in at a high rate of speed. So, in other words, you can launch and deliver a nuclear attack within seconds. But our intelligence did report, New York Times was the first to report on this, that uh, Xi Jinping asked. Vladimir Putin to wait until after the Winter Olympics to commence the assault on Ukraine. Folks, they've been having Zoom calls, not Zoom calls, they, Zoom calls aren't all that um, secure, but they've been having deeply secure calls for a long time. Yes. 
planning lots of things. Iran's in on this. North Korea's in on this. They talk more than you talk to your relatives. Way more than you talk to your relatives. Some of you won't see your relatives until next Christmas. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin will talk many times before next Christmas. They'll talk probably a few times every week. As he said, his best friend and colleague. Now, I'm not saying all this. Don't get me wrong. This is not to kind of dive deep on all that stuff. I, this, is a, this is a wide picture from, from 40s till now, from even predating that with the population explosion. I'm just trying to give you the overall view. Um, but again, lately, I, you know, I've been saying this for two years, that we've been living in the 1930s and most Americans are unaware of it. They thought the days of people like Mussolini and Hitler are long gone. They're not long gone. We have people alive right now that are the same heart and brutality is in them. And no matter what happens, whether Russia fully subdues Ukraine, which is going to be a tall task, or Ukraine repels Russia as we pray, or if there's some ceasefire and uh, a treaty ending, it's only going to be temporary. As long as you have leaders that are bent on domination, they will go back, lick their wounds, reach, recalibrate, and start all over again. Do you think 9-11 was the last time terrorists are going to attack? No. Of course not. People are planning things even while we're vacationing or whatever else we're doing. There's this struggle for global control. China and Russia and their allies have been planning and coordinating these things at least for, I just gave you evidence at least since 99, but it actually goes further back than that. I don't have time to go into all the detail. It goes further back than that. And what's going to happen with all this, for example, Europe, Europe was a pacifist continent for the last 20 years or so, but that's not, that's going to change. Europe is going to rearm. They will become more warrior class like they were in past centuries. Uh, there'll be an economic uniting, there'll be a military uniting that will begin to eventually, I don't know when, but it'll eventually sweep over Europe. You will see it probably in your lifetime. You will see Europe realize they need to ar get armed to the teeth for things that will happen. But there's, the, there's this battle for a new world order, and the, the Bible talks about eventually, not only with the Antichrist, and he will actually reign supreme, but they, not everyone's going to, the kings of the east and the area of Magog, which is ruled by Gog, which is a title, is probably not going to acquiesce. So there's this tug of war for who's going to be king of the mountain. With all that we see, and the scriptures literally unfolding in our lifetime. And, uh, and by, by the way, I want to get, I'll stop here for just a second. Um, I, like you, it's, it's interesting how God, uh, you ever heard, you've all heard the term, peace and uh, calm in the midst of a storm, right? Uh, there can be like this morning I'm out walking and I see no one except for myself and the bright shining moon. It was, it was 7 a.m. It was like the sky was light blue. The birds were chirping like crazy and it was like I didn't have a care in the world. You would think that the world is moving at one mile an hour but it's moving really fast. But in the moment, that's why we get to be still and know that he's God at all times. Amen? Amen? In the middle of it all, you can still be still and know that he is God. So I want you to know that even though things are this much expanding and accelerating. And then I've had conversations with people that... So I like to hear unsaved people's view. I had a conversation with someone um, recently. A uh, gentleman says to me, he said, Oh, back in the fall, we talked about... Uh, the whole thing with Taiwan, Russia was flying these planes, these fighter jets over ta Taiwan airspace. They've been doing it nonstop for the last two years. And, and he said, you know, we should, just, we should just let China have Taiwan. Just give it to them. I said, well, hey, it's not ours to give. <laughs> we don't own it. It's not ours to give. So we, we don't have any... Yeah, just, that, just take it, you know. First, and we probably can't prevent it. We can arm... Uh, but then I run into this same gentleman... Uh, last week, and he says, I think we need to arm Taiwan like crazy. I'm like, what's changed? Well, the whole invasion of Ukraine changed people's thinking. Like, oh, this is, this is more real than I thought. I thought it people just playing war games, but there's a, there's a realness to this. Talk to another lady. Um, she's actually from Europe, uh, and she says to me, she says, 
I fear this will all start World War III. I really fear, I mean, she goes, I'm from Europe, I just, I have a bad feeling about all of this. And I don't know, I'm not ruled by feelings, I'm ruled by the Word of God. I can see, but I'm not like in, in fear of these things, but I'm observing them. So how is the church doing in all this? We're the body of Christ. We have the word. We actually, we know what God has said. How, how is the church doing? And I understand that church attendance does not mean people are saved. I mean, we, we probably have people that attend CCR that are not yet born again, that only the Lord knows. Jesus said there'll be tares growing among we. I pray that everyone here is saved, but that's not always the case. But one thing about people at least wanting to go to church is at least there's a God consciousness. Would you agree with that? At least there's a God consciousness. Uh, uh, my wife had shared me a study uh, that found it was, it was really... In, the, one of the cool things about taste technology is you can actually feed tons of data. And a really cool thing is they fed, a, they fed a, thousands of data pieces and they found wherever they actually like played, I don't know how they pulled this off, but it, wherever any region was a zip code where people cuss more, the crime rate was commensurate with, the more people cuss, the more hard crimes, there, violent crimes there were. More criminal behavior. And I remember the first thing I, when I got saved, well, the first thing God took away from me was when I used to play basketball, I used to cuss a lot when I played basketball. And God's like, that ends right now. <laughs> You have, to, you have to find new words to, dis, to express your displeasure with your play or theirs. <laughs> and so that had to go. But you can kind of see how when, there, when the heart, what proceeds out of the mouth is what's in the heart. And so that's where if the mouth says violent things, the hand will do violent things. So a man that curses out his wife will probably hit his wife. Right? Eventually. And so we see that these things, uh, it, Satan is just, again, he's aware of these things. But how is the church doing? I mean, if, if there's a God consciousness, then at least there's a help to society. It's not salvation, but at least it helps society. Here's the church. From 1940 to 1999, church attendance and church membership both, we don't have... Calvary Chapel, we don't have official membership. If this is your church, you're a member. But, um, but membership and attendance was, was pretty steady. Pretty from 1940 to 1999, um, mid-90s. It was a little start to tail off with the MT, MTV generation starting in the, late, uh, in the early 80s, and then, but it still stayed pretty steady. But post 9-11... Post-technology saturation, post-streaming, binging, you name it. Going through life like this. Post all that. Church attendance is dropping like this. Significantly, atheism has risen from 11% to 21% in the last 15 years. Or non, it's atheism plus no religion at all and agnosticism. It's actually three groups bunched into one. So atheists could be half of that number, but those are agnostic or no religion whatsoever. But people's interest in church has declined. This is, of course, the opposite. If people are really, now, many people that want to go to church aren't saved, and some people that are saved haven't been going to church and need to. But this is opposite of the encouragement of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The writer, which I believe to be Luke, but it could be Paul, could be someone else, says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The return of Jesus. That's the day, the return of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And this is just his word. This church has been growing in all this. We have not been receding. Yeah, we've hit a little holding pattern lately, which I'd like to see God save a bunch of more people and start all over again. You know, growth doesn't always go like this. It goes like this sometimes, right? Yeah. Same as your personal walk. You don't like go like this in your personal walk. You know, you fall flat, then you grow a little bit more. You, so growth is not on a straight line. It's on a trend line. 
Praise God, this church has been growing. We added the 830 service in the middle of the pandemic, and, and we've been growing. And our tithes and offerings, thank you for giving. And we added Pastor Trevor. We've been growing in the midst of all this. And we're not the only church that's growing. There's some other good churches in town that are growing. There's other churches around the country, and there's churches in other parts of the world, like the Middle East, that are really growing in the space of radical Islam and all the other things that are headed there. But a lot of churches in the last 20 years, seeing what people are attracted to, seeing what people like gravitate to, you know a lot of churches have decided the way to get people interested is to become a place of excitement and entertaining messages and don't talk about anything that like hell or prophecy and have a really hip environment and make sure your strobe lights and your fog machines are better than the church down the street and have a dab of Starbucks, of course. I like Starbucks, don't I? but you know what I mean. And go light on the Bible and make sure your campus looks like a Silicon Valley yeah. campus. And then you could be really cool and attract the coolest, youngest, hippest people. And if they never know Jesus... Well, at least you tried. Paul said the time would come when people will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want the Word of God. I, I prefer to teach verse by verse, but every now and then I'll take a day like today and kind of raise up a level and say, this is what's going on. And even this falling away, even this lukewarm, even this kind of uh, just completely, eh, we kind of have Jesus in the name, but there's no Holy Spirit. That was the church of Sardis that Jesus spoke to. That was the church of Laodicea that he spoke to. Also in the book of Re both of them in the Revelation. But those were birth pains too. Remember he said, many will come in my name. Did he not say that? He said, many will come in my name. And deceive people. Deceive people thinking, well, just all you got to do is um, come here once every 2.5 months, you're good. Coming here doesn't make you saved. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But Jesus warned of a departure from him and, and people still using his name and, and Paul warned Timothy of a falling away that would be in parallel to the wars and the rumors of wars and pestilence and earthquakes and the, the falling away would be right along with it. But God will always have his remnant. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline? And this is not new information. If you were here on the Prophecy Series, it's not new information if you've heard me. Over the, but I just want to revisit it because it's still... Peter said three times, I remind you, or I remind you, or I remind you, even though you know these things. As parents, this is your job in life to remind your kids of things you've told them 8,000 times. Right? Why am I saying this again? That's, that's God talking to me, it's God talking to you, and it's me talking to you too. So, you know, it's, a, it's just the way we just have to be reminded of the same things. And so this is where we're at in the time. We're in a critical time. It, it, you can see the cross, 2,000 years or so, roughly that. And we're, we're in the labor pains that are, as you know, ladies that have had children, you know that it gets near the end. They, the contractions get closer together. That's what's happening. The contractions are getting closer together. Will we see Jesus in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 10 months? All is possible. It could be faster than any of us think, but we're getting the funnel. Everything is compressing into, like Jesus' ministry, compressed into that last week and those 40 days till the ascension. Everything's building towards it. In our lifetime, we're seeing all the signs Jesus spoke of, precisely what Daniel saw, precisely what Paul saw and warned of. Now, Satan, he will continue to lull the masses with busyness, with, ah, you don't need to hear that, you got plenty of time, with entertainment, with over use of the image. I've seen so many images of Ukraine, I don't care anymore. Whatever it is, he'll use all of it. Apathy. And while he stir... But by the way, the world leaders are not apathetic. They are galvanizing hard for control. They're working tirelessly. He's going to galvanize the world leaders for a showdown the Bible has foretold from millenniums. All the technology advances will someday be used to foster a global government. All the stuff that we're seeing right now, it will all, you see parts of it already in play, but it'll all come together. Prince Charles, who's not an elected leader, but uh, part of the royal family, as you know, he's the heir to the throne in England. Prince Charles said last year, at a climate event, our president was sitting on the front row, Boris Johnson was sitting right there. He said to all these world leaders, he said at a climate event last year, and you can go look it up yourself, and if you want to, I'll email it to you if you want to see the video clip. It'll like 
your hair will stand up. When he says that we as leaders, he's spoken to these world leaders, said it back in the fall, need to give our power and our resources and trillions to a leader. A leader who will pull the whole world together and solve all these things. And the leader that the world is looking for and looking towards is one that will eliminate the need of God, eliminate the scriptures, and eliminate the concept of salvation and the need for Jesus Christ. He will be anti-Christ literally. This quote from Dr. Brock Chisholm. Before I put it up, Dr. Brock Chisholm was the first Secretary General of the United Nations, newly formed in 1946, World Health Organization. Anyone heard of that organization? World Health Organization. If you haven't learned any acronyms, you've now learned CDC and WHO in the last two years. Everyone knows what those two acronyms now stand for. But Brock Chisholm was the very first Secretary General and he said this at a mental health conference in 1946. He said, for many generations, we have bowed our necks to the yoke of the conviction of sin. We have swallowed all manner of poisonous certainties fed to us by our parents, our Sunday school and day teachers. Even then, post-World War II, instead of thanking God that the world war had ended, they were already looking to a world without God. A United Nations without God. Treaties without God. David expressed all this in Psalm 2. I, I encourage you all to go listen to the message I shared on Wednesday night from Psalm chapter 2. It's a great preamble to this or an ending to this. Go listen to it. Tell them the YouTube channel. So, but, but mankind doesn't want to be under the authority. It says in Psalm 2 that let us cast off his restraints. He calls it the yoke of conviction. Cast off the restraint. We want marriage to be what we want it to be. Gender is what we decided it is. Whatever we want goes. If we don't think it's a lot, we think it's a baby, the image says it's a baby, but now we decide it's not for convenience, then it's not murder. So this world will press in with every bit of intellect, every bit of technology, every bit of artificial intelligence, all the global alliances, all the scientific discoveries, every teeny tiny thing. Elon Musk will still say, yeah, we've got to get chips put into people to solve their depression and anxiety inside the head. Literally, they're working on that. Um, driverless cars, all of it's coming because it's going to make us safer and no one will be getting accidents anymore and all this stuff and, and all of this stuff will be for everybody's benefit. It's all moving towards creating a utopia without God. Taking away, you don't have to worry about anything. We've got everything covered for you. It's a tech, yes, all this is moving to a global reset. All this is moving to a fourth technology uh, revolution, superseding our current third that we are near the end of. This will move to a cashless society. It'll blur the lines between, between physical, digital, and biological. But all of it's building a virtual, a virtual Tower of Babel. That's what it is. This is a virtual, it's a cobbling together, like the fact that your Facebook allows you to immediately see something in Ukrainian, and you see it in English, or Japanese, and you see it in English, and the fact that that is going to be improved by 20 times that later this year, and more thousands, eventually they want every single language in there for instantaneous, which the Tower of Babel was man had one language. All this is moving towards that, this virtual Tower of Babel. But again, Tower of Babel didn't want God, and neither does the world leaders, no matter what side of the fence they're on. But all these signs will continue. All the contractions will increase. But here's some really, really good news. You ready for some good news? Yes. This is what Jesus said. He's your Lord and Savior. He's your shepherd. He said, now when these things begin to happen... Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Isn't that great to know? Yeah. You're not going to need your iPad in heaven. You're not going to need direct TV in heaven. You're not going to need a vacation in heaven. You're not going to need a nap in heaven. You're not going to need the World Health Organization to explain to you how this is a benefit <laughs> in heaven. And Satan and those that he's spurring, they'll still want a world without Christ. Uh, they'll want a 
world without Christians. That's why there's going to be a great slaughter in the tribulation period of all those who won't take the mark of the beast. And, and they'll want a world without Israel. Why? Because Israel brought forth the Messiah and Jesus has to come back to Jerusalem. But the seed of his sin, Satan's just trying to, he couldn't mess up the first coming, so he's trying to mess up the second coming. He already knows he's going to fail. He's going to do it anyway. But all the world's complexity and all the technology and all the amazing stuff. And I remember I came from, I, I was in international business and technology. I used to love this stuff and I still like a lot of it. I love that I can put earbuds in and listen to scripture while I'm running. I love that. I couldn't do that 10 years ago, 20 years ago at least. I love all that stuff. But bottom line is all the world's complexity, all the technology, all the surveillance system, all the algorithms, all of it, it's going to end up in a medieval battle. In Israel, where people will run with pitchforks and swords again, because it probably near the very end, none of that stuff's going to work. It already cannot, we already can hack each other into it not working. That's another problem. Too many things to go on. And all the plans of mankind, all the scheming of Satan will eventually come crashing down in the great tribulation. I know this information. It's more than you hear at some churches. I know that this uh, message may be a total downer for some of you, and some of you watching all I apologize, but I don't. I wish that none of it needed to be said, but it does need to be said or understood. And everything I've shared is historically accurate. You can, you can challenge everything. If you go back and study Everything I've given you is historically accurate. Every article, every fact, every quote. My wife can tell you I've spent 36 hours or so verifying every little detail. And right now, it's fulfilling the Word of God. Right now, in our lifetime, it's fulfilling the Word of God. And I'm not sharing this to bum us out, but to build us up. And to encourage us to get closer to Jesus now. You're not guaranteed that you can get closer to Jesus next week. You've got to do it today. You can't, oh, I'll put it off another month. No, you're not guaranteed another month. I'm not guaranteed another month. We have heart attacks in our family, diabetes, all kinds of stuff. Any of it could hit me. And you too. And don't wait till there's another unforeseen crisis. There will be another crisis. The question is what it's going to be, but we don't have to worry about it. It's all in God's hands. I'm not saying this stuff this isn't to wring your hands. This is to raise your hands. And to shine for him. So many people need Jesus. They're thirsty. Yesterday we were walking over at Short Pump Town Center. I had to get some things for next week. And I'm walking around there. And I just see these faces. I'm like, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need, you know? Some people, you can just see it on their face. They're just lost. And I was lost. And, and I'm glad people invited me to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. When I went down there when I looked like an... Well, anyway. But um, <laughs> I, I've been watching these things closely for 27 years since the day I got saved. And Jesus, I, I, he called me out of the business world, out of technology, to preach the gospel. But I still watch it closely. I, all the things that are going on. And I, I used to share it in my prior field. I had great opportunity to share with executive level people the gospel. And all the kind of points in between. But you, you don't, and by the way, you don't need to toss out your technology. We're using it for good. Right now, this is streaming on YouTube. It's on our YouTube channel. I, I direct people to their phones. I want them to use the technology to get the gospel. We're getting it all over the world. We're right now ministering to Ukraine because of this technology. Amen. I'm talking to pastors right now that are in the heart of it all. So, Paul said using the things of this world, though, is not misusing them. I'm, not, I'm just saying that the, the world is going to use them to put a stranglehold, we're going to use them to get the gospel until Jesus says, and right now there's a restraint of the Holy Spirit. It keeps a buffer. But Jesus foretold all these days, like I said, the week before the cross. And uh, why? Because the cross and the empty tomb are what preserves us through these days. Amen. Amen. And we're on the winning side, brother and sister. We're on the winning side if, you're in Lord, if he's your Lord and Savior. And he's bidding us to come closer to him. Come closer to him. Abide in him. Draw near to him. Let him dissolve your fears and your apathy. Amen. And I have both and so do you. Amen. Amen. We have fears and apathy, and we don't say, why do I have fear and apathy at the exact same time? Because you're a fallen person without the help of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. We have fear and apathy that always kind of runs in parallel. And let me close with this. I really am coming to a close. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 22 and 23, and we have a high priest over the house of God, over our brothers and sisters in North Korea, over those in Iran, over those in Africa, over those in Europe. We have one high priest who's over the house, and he knows who's the house. 
Let us draw near. This is a, is, a, is a pleading to draw near. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Let us draw near with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil. Con- you don't need to feel guilty about what you should have done last week. Just give it to Jesus today. Amen. You don't need to walk out of here feel, oh, I feel guilty. I should have done this. You can't fix yesterday. You can draw near today. Amen? Amen? You can draw near right now today. You do not have to be in the guilt of what you should have done, could have done. We all have regrets from yesterday, last week. He said, draw near. Let him wash us in the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithfully is the only one faithful. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we... We're just thankful, Jesus, that you hold the whole world in your hands. We can see all the things that man thinks that he's figured out, and you look from the heavens, as it said from Psalm 2, you laugh. There's so many things that we don't know. So many things you've let us learn, but Lord, all of these things were never to take us away from you, but Lord, to show us that even with all the stuff we have, we can't stop wars, we can't stop death, we can't stop disease, we can't stop depression, we can't stop anxiety, we can't stop violence, and it's to let us see that no matter what we come up with, we still need a Savior. We still need a Redeemer. And Lord, I thank you that you have redeemed and saved Many that are in this room and those online and maybe out in the fellowship hall or the courtyard, Lord, you, you've brought many of us. But Lord, if even there's even one here that doesn't know you, isn't ready, doesn't have this peace and rest in you in the midst of all these things, I pray that they would come to you, that, that you would have, give them a thirsty soul and you would quench it with the water of salvation.